us your welcome. We also have our beloved Ezra Taylor with Snoops. God bless you. You're welcome in the house. Last night we were in Copper Box and we were watching the amazing uh, heavyweight uh, title fight between Joe Joyce and Zen. Is it Jen? How do you pronounce it? Zan. Zan. And uh, China prevailed and came through, which is interesting. The reason I mention that because this morning we have three Chinese baptisms. Uh, where are they? Are they in the house? Where are the... Can't they, they're at the back. They were, you're welcome. Praise God. We're going to have, a, we're going to have the, the world championship of baptisms today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And welcome, Pastor Oliver, you're welcome as well. God bless you. We love you dearly. And next sat- Saturday, I'm doing the Hebrew course with the ministers. Is that correct? Yes, I've been invited to teach Hebrew to ministers in, near Romford. So God bless. A lot of things are happening. I, I, I'm spinning plates oftentimes, trying to keep up with everything, keeping up with myself. I'm running ahead of myself sometimes. Amen. Praise God. So as uh, it was mentioned already, we, today is the Eastern, uh, Easter, well, well, Passover, Baskan, as they say, uh, the Passover for the Eastern Church, the Resurrection Sunday, praise God. And Sunday, in fact, for the Jewish people, is the first day of the week. So it's a new beginning. So Resurrection speaks about new beginnings. And I want to touch on that theme about newness, because oftentimes we get caught up in the past, and we need to move forward. We need to overcome whatever obstacles are placed before us. Sometimes, you know, they're self-imposed. Other times, others put the obstacles before us. And the wisdom is to understand how to navigate around them or over them. And the only way to do that is to reflect and move forward and not repeat the mistakes. Because if we do what we did, we're going to get what we got. Amen. And as Einstein said, it's insanity to do the same thing and expect a different outcome. Yeah. So if we change what we do, something's going to change. So I believe today your life's going to be changed for the better. It's going to be different going to have a different outlook, thank God. And I want to use as a foundational verse for today, the Gospel of John chapter 20. I want to read from verse 19, a few verses, and then we want to look and see how we can translate this in our lives. And interestingly, on Friday, we did a question and answer session in the church. And if you want to look at the whole program, the whole service, Go into the archives of ACC, it's all free, look at it and see the questions. It will take another week to explain what happened on Friday. But I had so many challenging questions, you know, but I, by the grace of God, I attempted to give a, a, an, an explanation on different levels. But as I said, I brought milk, vegetables and meat. And people are in different places in their lives. Sometimes people can only take milk. And if you give them meat, they choke them. And this is about growing, slowly developing. As we do physically, there's a spiritual parallel. You don't give a child, a baby, a few months solid meat. And sometimes you've got spiritual, uh, Christian spiritual Christians. And we try and give them meat sometimes. And they ask questions that sometimes they're not in a position to receive the answer. It's like being in a university and then you bring a child, a three-year-old in the university lecture. The child will not understand practically anything. But yeah, we people expect, but in, in the physical, we expect to have spiritually answers when we're not in the position to receive them. So we need to be contextualized what we, how we progress and take our spiritual journey. So with no further ado, let's just stand for a few moments just to read a few verses of the Bible, of the New Testament, and be open because it's a journey. God is so relevant, so real today. He's the answer to much of our questions in our lives. Amen. So John chapter 20, verse 19. Now, Listen to the words. Think about what's been read. This is not a performance. It's about receiving. 
Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Please, so please take your seats. Interesting verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Well, at that time there was only eleven. Why? Because Judas had hanged himself. And they were in the upper room. We are in an upper room today. But it says Thomas was not there when Jesus appeared to them. Sometimes we find in life we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. We feel sometimes we've missed the boat. But the Bible teaches us that God does never give up on us. God is the God of their gain. If you miss it in one way, God will meet you in a different way to meet you at the place of your need. And the way this verse begins, actually, I didn't start from verse 1 because it was the first day of the week. And the first person that Jesus appears to is the most unlikely person, Mary Magdalene. She didn't qualify to, to be the first person in the natural to meet Jesus. She should have been a high priest, perhaps. She should have been some noble person. But it was Mary Magdalene who he had cast seven demons out of her. And she was a woman. And you can see all the negativities, it was all negative for her. She was a woman which were looked down upon women at that time. They were inferior. And she was an outcast. And yet Jesus chose to appear to her. Why did he choose to appear to her? You know why? Because she was the only one who went there with Mary, the other Marys, at the tomb of Jesus. She made the effort to get to Jesus. Therefore, Jesus honored her desire and met her on the journey of her life. And when they came to the tomb, they were questioning, how can we remove the stone that covered the mouth of the tomb? You know, faith moves mountains. And when they came, the stone had already been removed. And when your faith can move mountains, if you believe all things are possible unto them who believe. You know, when you do some great exploits, great feats in your life, and you, your, physical, your, your body physically, somehow your body gives up, so oftentimes what carries you is your faith. You know, when, when you're, doing some, you're, you're doing some great, uh, uh, trying to achieve something great, even in a sporting world or in, in life, and you're naturally all things are against you, you start, have to start believing that you can, that it's possible, and you will prevail. There's power in faith. Faith, we're told, moves mountains. Jesus said, if you have your faith as a mustard seed. You'll say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Faith is powerful, powerful force that drives us. And we saw the play last week, and we had Pastor Julian was depicting Thomas. And this is what we're mentioning. Thomas was not there at the time when Jesus appeared. And it would have seemed uh, uh, Thomas had missed the boat. It was over for him. But thank God, God doesn't give up on us, even if we give up on him. He may not have been at the beginning, but he will be there at the end. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not where you start from, it's where you finish. That's what makes a difference, praise God. And we, so I want to just break this down just 
more give a more deeper insight to what's happening here because it's very interesting because every day is a new opportunity to start a beginning so every day you have the possibilities of doing great exploits transforming your lives every day is a new but it doesn't matter what happened on the yesterday it's what happens today that is of paramount importance if you repeat the, the mistakes of yesterday, you're just going to go back to revert back to what you were. But we're going to change things by changing our outlook, adding some new elements in our life to make the difference. So I want to go just break this down. So let me go back to verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week. So the Greek actually says, it says the first day of the week. The Greek says, uh, doesn't say first day of the week. It says it was one day. Let me, let me just read this from the Greek. It says, It says one. It doesn't say first. It says one day. Okay, it was one day. So it could have been one day any time. It not necessarily been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was one day. So your one day can be any time. It could be a Wednesday. It could be a Sunday. It could be a, a Tuesday. It doesn't matter. It's one day. That it's the one day God meets us. When he meets us, it becomes a new beginning, a new, a new start, a one. Everything old has cast away. Everything's removed. It's a one, a new beginning. And in fact, when the Lord, God was numbering the days in Genesis, he doesn't number them first, second, third. He says one. It's one day. So, so we go back to Genesis. I just want to just qualify this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, this is what Genesis says here. God called the, day, the, the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The Greek doesn't say the first day. It says one day. It was one day. So our, our, our beginning can start any time. You don't have to wait for a particular time. Today you can make a decision that I'm going to cancel everything of the old. I'm going to just draw the line in the sand and say everything of the past is over. And today is the one day I'm going to restructure myself, redefine myself, reinvent myself. Today will be that new day, will be the one day everything begins today. Because I, the world might not have changed, but I have changed. Don't wait for the world to change and applaud you and, and celebrate you. You've got to celebrate yourself. You've got to say, this is my day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. So you've got the right. You have the power. Get back the power to make the difference, to make this day the one day of a new beginning for you. Transformation to take place. So what happened on that one day? See, because that one day when God begins, he, come, he begins, God begins on an unlevel playing field. When everything was against him, he began a new work. So when everything is against us, we can begin, begin with new beginnings. So what's happening? In Genesis, we're told at the beginning, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And he says the earth, the earth was void and formless. Okay. It was a void, it was empty and formless. And when God is speaking to the prophets, he says, I'm looking at the world, this is after creation, and it's void and it's formless. There's no shape to it. There's no dimension to it. There's no character to it. There's no value to it. Everything's been disqualified. They rejected God and started making, constructing things for themselves. And God is saying, I will do a new thing. So what happened in Genesis is repeated at the time of the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because God is recreating, retransforming, and starting a new beginning. He's erasing the old and bringing the new. He's wiping the slate clean. And we want our slate clean, don't we, today? 
you want to leave here. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what your mind, the thoughts were this morning before you came here. You can go leave this place today transformed with new excitement, new opportunities. Hallelujah. I just pray that you're, you receive today and you leave here really transformed, empowered and equipped to move forward in what God has for you. In fact, in Isaiah, we're told Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, this is what God says to, to his people, which includes you and I. He says this, Behold, I will do what? A new thing. What does he say? Now it shall spring forth. Should you not know it? Well, Jesus says, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He says, and I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Where there's no way, he'll make the way. If there's a dead end, God will open a way for you, make escape way for you to move forward, to overcome, to get where he wants you and you should be in him. Praise God. This is I, the prophet, telling us this, who prophesied the crucifixion. Verse 20 says this. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my, to my chosen. It's powerful. And that's what God wants to do today. He wants to give us refreshment. He wants to resuscitate us. He wants to empower us to fulfill not just his purpose, but our purpose, because our purpose must be entwined and connected to his purpose. But as Jeremiah the prophet says, when God looks at the world before the crucifixion and resurrection, this is what he perceives. And this is what it says, the condition of humanity. In Genesis chapter, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22, this is what he says. For my people are foolish. See, sometimes we are wise in our own understanding. Solomon says, do not lean on your own understanding. And all our ways we trust in him with our whole heart. He knows what's best for us. Sometimes we think what's better for us, but we think what's good for us, but God has the best intentions for us. Better than even we have for ourselves. They have not known me. Look, for my people are foolish, they have not known. And this is what we gather together, to know him and the power of his might. And to know in him, there, there is un, it's, it's, it's not limited in God. He can do more than we can ask and think. Oh, praise God. They are silly children and they have no understanding. Well, it's quite uh, strong words he's using directing them against his people. Because when we, when we just run around in relation to our own imagination, we are silly. Much of my life was characterized by this. I thought I was wise in my own eyes before God zapped me and transformed me. And help me on the way. And he's still doing it so. I don't get everything right always. But I just lean on him. I just trust. I say, Lord, give me some direction. And he's never failed us or failed me as, as yet. Praise God. Because I'm still under construction. We're all under construction. You know, when you go to a building site, they got the scaffolding, don't they? But they say to you, when you come, wear the hats. You can't go in a building where they have white because of the debris, debris falling over. Something might. So when people come around you, they've got to be careful. Dress with the appropriate garment because there's debris coming over us. We're still under construction. Something can fall on them. We've got to be careful. Yeah, so it's a building site. You're a building site. You've got to be careful. Tread carefully. <laughs> you know, you might hurt yourself being around me, or I might hurt myself being around you. We're all under construction. We're all buildings that God is working on and building on, praise God. And sometimes we think we're wise, we, we know what's best, but God knows the better. 
He's got his, our best intentions at heart. He says, look, we, and they have no understanding. Let me, let me qualify this. People confuse knowledge with understanding. I'll give an example. Knowledge is based on comprehension. Understanding is based on evaluation. When I used to mark exam papers, we had three criteria to mark exam papers. One was knowledge, okay, getting the information knowledge. Then evaluation to see if they understood what the knowledge they were speaking about. Because I can give you an example. Kids come out of school with knowledge and no understanding. How does that work? Well, I'll give you an example. If someone sits an exam paper, people can learn to answer questions in exams and don't understand the heck what they are answering. For example, a paragraph, uh, English, comprehension. The nuke crossed the road. Who crossed the road or what crossed the road? Answer, the nuke crossed the road. 10%. Correct. What is a nuke? I don't know, but it crossed the road. Just because we got information, it's where you put that information. You don't go to a brain surgery, surgeon and give him a knife and say, just you know, work it out on the job. You kill the patient. And that's, that's how we translate life. We try and make it up as we're going along. And that's where the pitfalls are. That's when we go wrong. So we need to trust in him. Trust with, to me with all your might. Learn from what, who went before you. If I want to be successful in a field, I'm going to look to the person who's achieved that and learn what, how they got to where they got to. I may not take all that advice, but I'm sure more than not that I'm going to learn something. And that's how we need to translate our life. If you want to be a lawyer, you're not going to go into a pub all day long. You'll be a drunk lawyer. You won't be there, a lawyer anyway. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? I'm trying to make it lighthearted to give to push the message home. And he says this, they have no understanding. So we need to start understanding. When we listen, say, what does that mean? What, 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 how do I translate that into my life? Take a bit of time. It, sometimes be still. When in doubt, do not. When in doubt, be still. That's why it says uh, Psalm 46 verse 10, it says, be still. And know that I'm God. Sometimes is is if you don't act, nothing's going to happen. Be still, hold back until you're comfortable and you know you're right. Then you can move, because is is prevention is better than cure. Is that right? Don't do anything. Be still and act accordingly. But don't procrastinate. At the same time, there's two. It's between two poles, two things. You can procrastinate, miss the whole point, and miss the boat. Or you can be still, be watchful, and know the t- right time to move. You know, I can tr- this is why parallel, life, there's, parallel, there's parallels in life. Truth is parallel, they say. For example, even in the boxing world that we were watching last night, we see the two boxers competing. Life is a boxing match. We have the four corners of the world. We have people in your corner. We have a referee to balance everything about. We have judges to, to decide who, who does what, whatever. Life is that, it reflects in that way. But if you look at someone moving, like it's not just moving and throwing the punch. It's actually the timing to get to connect to where you're throwing your punch. Like Paul says, I don't punch the air, he said. The Apostle Paul used boxing as a metaphor to speak about his spiritual warfare. Can you believe that Paul? was speaking about boxing in order to compete and overcome the adversity in his life. He says, I'm not someone that beats the air. 
There's someone in front of you. It's not shadow boxing. There's a, a power in front of you. You need to know to navigate it. You need to know the right time to slip. And if you slip at the wrong time, you're not slipping away from the punch. You're slipping into. Crazy. I can tell you some crazy stories, but I won't go down there. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so coming back to this, let me go back to my 22. This is, they are foolish, they are foolish to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. So it's not only they don't have understanding, they don't even have the knowledge how to get to understanding to do the good. And this is where Christ comes in, this is where the church comes in. When we talk about church, don't mistake church with the building and the people. The church is not the building. This is not the church. You people are the church. Where you gather is the church. If we leave here and go into the, the, the square where the flats are here, we'll still be the church. They may not like it, but we're still the church. Yeah? So where you are is the church. When two or three are gathered in his name, that's where the church is. And the purpose of the church is to help people grow and be empowered to overcome whatever obstacles comes against us. Whatever the world throws at you, you're going to use it as a stepping stone to get somewhere better. Did you hear the story about the man's donkey who fell into the pit? Have you heard that story? I'll explain it for the people who haven't. A man's donkey fell into the pit and he was neighing all day and he felt sorry for it. He says, you know what? I'm going to just bury it there, so take it out of its misery. So he got some earth, he stood shovel, started dropping the earth, fell on the donkey's back, the donkey was shaking the earth and stepping on the earth, frying the earth, donkey shaking his back, and slowly the, the donkey was coming up. So he was using the rubbish there to, to bury it, to get to elevate himself, and by the end the donkey came out. So what the moral of the story is, use the rubbish of the world to be stepping stones to get you closer to where you need to be. All the obstacles are there to promote you, not to demote you. The waters came, the flood came. Noah used the flood to elevate himself, not to drown himself. So prepare to rise. Use adversity to help you rise. The eagle uses a storm to fly, to soar in the heavens. Use the storm to soar as a stepping stone to get you closer to your destiny, your destination that you, that you believe that God's called you to and you believe you desire to achieve. Use the adversities around you to get you to promote you, to get you in a better place than what we are now, praise God. Hallelujah. But to do good, they have no knowledge. And I pray today we have knowledge to do good. Not just good just for self-gain, but good for our community, ultimately for the world. Because we can make the difference, you can make the difference. We make the difference every week. We have a food bank. People come, many people come take food because of the economic situation. We have a soup kitchen. People are homeless or have challenging lives come and to every Thursday. We're there week in and week out so they know they can rely on us. Just imagine we're one week and ten weeks we're not there. Where are they going to go? We need to be consistent. Just imagine the church just appearing every so often. We're here week in, week out. Storms, snow, sun, whatever the conditions around, we are here week in and week out. We've been doing, I've been doing this, I've been here for, in, in different capacities for 35 years, week in and week out. And, and COVID, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave. <laughs> They tried to make us live, but we wouldn't leave. Praise the Lord. 
whatever virus is, God save us. You know, he's, 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 he has the, 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 the spiritual vaccine. You know, the, 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 the COVID va- uh, uh, poison or virus it was from the beginning. We have different, uh, COVID is one expression of one type of virus, but there's many different viruses. There's virus or poison in your mind. You've got viruses in your mind. Viruses of bad information, bad viruses of bad association. There's different viruses. And sometimes you need to disassociate with certain things and associate with other things to cleanse you. But the, the, the antidote for the virus was given to us on the cross of Calvary. If you parallel Genesis at the transgression, where the Lord says, of every f- tree of the fruit of, in the garden you may partake, but only of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you cannot take off that fruit. Well, they took the fruit and poisoned themselves. And now Jesus says, now you have access to the tree of life now, and that is Jesus Christ, which is the antidote to the tree of knowledge and good and evil, the venom of the, of, of the serpent. I wish I'm speaking to someone. And God... This speaks, this, this season speaks of an amazing, profound intervention by God through his economy because the devil used the three things to separate man from God. They used the tree, they used actually the woman, the tree, and death, separated us from God. The woman in the altar was Eve. The tree was knowledge of good and evil. And then death was the outcome of that. Death is not non-existing. Death is separation in relation to God. That's why Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. They were existing, they were walking around, but they were dead spiritually. So being dead doesn't mean you don't exist. Being dead, you're spiritually dead. You're you're spiritually not awake or alive. And God used the same three things to bring us back to himself. He used the woman, Mary. He used the tree, the cross of Calvary, which is a tree of life. And he used the death of Jesus to restore us back to us. So he took the same things that the devil used to separate us from God to bring us back to himself. This is profound wisdom of God. And this is what this season speaks about. So coming back here to verse 23, very quickly. I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void. And the heavens, they had no light. Because we dwell in darkness. And this season speaks about light. Light is not in relation to the physical light you're seeing around you. Light is relation to understanding, changing your way you're thinking. That's why there's the word eureka. You have a eureka. Who knows the word eureka? Do you know where it comes from? It's a Greek word. The Greek is dovriga, meaning I have found it. So when you have a eureka moment, you found something. You were looking at something for so long, and at a moment of an eye, blink of an eye, something, something happened in your sight, in your mind, and, and there was an element added that gave you understanding to what you were perceiving. And then you say, I found it, eureka, and changes everything. And that's what Jesus brings about, that eureka moment. The darkness is not a tangible, physical, it's the darkness of the mind, meaning ignorance. Because as God dwells in darkness, doesn't dwell in, the, it's a contradiction, he's light. How can light coexist with darkness? It disperses the darkness. What he's talking about is the darkness of man's ignorance. He dwells in the ignorance of humanity because we read about him, but we don't understand about him. Come on. I'm taking university this afternoon. Any children here? There's a spiritual health warning with these messages. It might affect you. It might it might open your eyes. <laughs> it's powerful. You know, I'm only speaking from experience. And I thank the people who went preceded me, went before me, who taught me, who, who mentored me. 
And so if we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse, verse 5, it's chapter 1, verse 1, actually, and verse 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. What did Jeremiah say? Without void and formless. Yeah? And that's the condition the crucifixion took place in. Because if they had understanding, they would never have crucified Jesus, as Paul says. The Lord of glory. If they knew the mysteries, they would never have crucified Jesus. Because they had no understanding, they crucified him. And that's why Jesus on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So sometimes when people try and do something against you or against me or do something that upsets us, we can forgive that because oftentimes people do not know what they are doing. They're driven by their physical, their emotional, not driven by the wisdom or the rationale. And we can, that can be excused up to a certain point. And therefore we're here to try and help people to look through the right way, look at life outlooking life in the right way so this is a condition that the first day of the week represents the first day day one represented when Jesus resurrected from the dead and what Jesus was doing is redoing on a spiritual level what he was doing in Genesis chapter one and everything that happens in Genesis chapter one there's a spiritual parallel to this he does it is repeated but from a spiritual level in at the day of the resurrection what happened on the first day of, of the week where Jesus rose is exactly what happened at the beginning of creation. So what happened? I just want to go visit that very quickly. I know time is pressing. I want to be very quick. Look, you're, you need to thank God you weren't around Paul when he was preaching. I can just say that. You know why? Paul would preach for eight hours. And, I'm not, and this is no exaggeration. You read the Bible. He would preach for eight hours. And there was one instance, there was a young man sitting by the window. He fell asleep and fell out the window and killed himself. So I hope my preacher doesn't move people to go and kill yourselves. But I'm just saying, and, and the Lord said, it's, Paul said, no, you're not getting away with it lightly. You're going to wake up, rise, come back to life, and you're going to listen to the end of my sermon. He, re- he resurrected him, and he put him back in the ring, and he had to sit him down to listen to the rest of his preaching. So if I have to resurrect anyone today, I shall do that. No one's getting away with it. <laughs> so we go back to Genesis, verse 3. Now, let me go back to verse, verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And interestingly, this void earth, which is formless, is you and I before coming to God, because we're made of about 66% of water. And ironically, amazingly, the world is 66% of water. Did you know that? Did you know that? It's two-thirds water, one-third earth. Did you know that? So scientifically, it's amazing. You are a world. You are the world. A micro-world. You are a micro-world. And so in, this, in our condition of being void before we come to the eureka moment, before we awake spiritually, the Spirit of God hovers over us. And then as it's the Spirit hovers, God speaks into our lives. And it takes, he says, the heavens, there was darkness, no, no light in the heavens. We're in a place of darkness. That's why it says, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And I'm one of them who sat in darkness and the chains of, chains of bondage and oppression. I saw the great light and I accepted it. And he said, those who saw a great light and it transforms us. And so the face of the waters, it was, it was hovering over the face of the waters. And then verse 3 says this. 
Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so in our condition, God speaks into the light of truth, the light of love, the light of healing, the light of reconciliation, the light of empowerment. And he speaks that light. The, the, the difference between the earth in Genesis and the earth of our lives, we have a free will choice whether we accept that light or we shut it out, put the blinds up, and we don't want to see it. Because when that light comes, it will highlight things in our lives that we have to deal with. It will highlight things that we have to get right. It will highlight things that we have to let go. It will highlight things that we have to deal with. But we sometimes like to squalor, be in the squalor of the old man and not want to rearrange or change the furniture. Because when that light comes, things will have to go out. We have to take rubbish out. We have to let go of things that we are holding on to. And that light changes everything because God has something better post-light than pre-light for us. But sometimes we think what, was, what we have is better than what we might be going to. And we don't choose to let go of that. And that's what holds us back. God can do more than we can ask and we can think. In fact, so Genesis says, let there be light. But in fact, the Hebrew doesn't say that. The Hebrew says, this is actually literally translated because I'm going to be teaching Hebrew next week. The literal Hebrew, Hebrew says this. Then God said, let him be light. It changed, given the different perception of that verse now. It doesn't say let there be. Because if it translated literally, people are not in the light, will not understand what it's saying. In fact, the Hebrew is saying, let him masculine let him be light and Jesus come along according chronologically according to the scripture 4,000 years later and said I am the light of the world let him and he says I he 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 embraces he 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 takes that that title on himself he's that light in the world and he disperses darkness oh wow that's powerful you can't make this up how it's knit, like, nicely knit together. You know, when we had the play last week, it was past the Christmas playing Abraham and, um, and Raphael was playing um, uh, uh, Isaac. And there was a question in Genesis chapter 22 where God says to, to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. And Mount Moriah. It's amazing how you, it's all put together so wonderfully. God is a God of order. And Mount Moriah is Jerusalem. Did you know that? And did you know when, 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 when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, which Isaac means laughter, it, didn't, it brought him misery. It would, wouldn't make him laugh. He's going to sacrifice him anyway. Uh, he said to him, take him to Mount Moriah. He was taking him to Jerusalem because he was a, pre, a, a foreshadow, a prefigurement of Jesus himself. And did you know that Isaiah was in his 30s when God asked Abraham to sacrifice? He wasn't a baby. Isaac, sorry. He was in his 30s when God asked him to sacrifice his son. And he led him, took him to the mountain. And when he was there, Isaac asked a profound question. He said, Father, we have the fire, we have the knife, but where is the lamb? He used the specific word lamb for the sacrifice. And Abraham turned and said to him, My son, God will provide his own lamb for the sacrifice. And 4,000 years or 2,000 or so years or whatever the chronology is from that time, John the Baptist is looking at Jesus Christ and he answered Isaac's question. But he looks at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The question that Isaac asked 
was answered by, a, by John the Baptist thousands of years later after the event. And God intervened and he took, let him take his son back and he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's why when they were arguing with Jesus and they said, and they were saying to him, you are not yet 50 years old and so forth. He said, before Abraham, uh, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, he said. And he saw it and he was glad. And they said, you are not, be- you are, he said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. He goes, before Abraham was, I am. He said to him, I was before Abraham. I was depicted in the sacrifice of Isaac. He saw my day in the sacrifice that he went to Moriah. He went to Jerusalem to crucify his son. That was, was me, was pointing to me. He saw my, and he rejoiced and he was glad. You can't make these things up. I can't make them up. I'm dyslexic. That's true. When I was in school, I was petrified if the teacher got me to try and write on the board. Fearful. And when they were asking me to write essays, I could only write essays using three words. Cat, dog, hat. I couldn't. This is truth. No one taught me. No one understood what dyslexia was. And yet the same dyslexic boy did a first degree, did a second degree, did a doctorate. I'm in Roehampton University doing a second doctorate. This dyslexia, why? Because I learned. I began to understand how to navigate through my difficulty, through what we might call a handicap that empowered me to work more than the people who are natural because I became supernatural to be, to be a head and shoulders above the others who were naturally there. But people think, oh, it's not me. It's what God in my life. Before God, I couldn't understand anything. But the understanding came when God came in my life. I understood how to know it. And he led me, guided me. So he uses a disadvantage to an advantage to get you where you need to be, praise God. So if you can do it for me, he can do it for you. And that's not just in ministry. It's every walk of life. We came from Cyprus. And we're classed as refugees in Cyprus. Okay, but praise the Lord. I love everyone. Let it be like that. Because God had a better plan for me. Because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't, have moved. I wouldn't be here today. So always God has another move, praise God. To the point that my sisters came, we came illiterate, working all the hours of the day. My younger sister, she's a judge now in the courts of England. From nowhere. Country boys, illiterate, all these handicaps. But to show you that we can wallow in our problems, what we can't do, an A, B, C, and D, but we need to look what we can do and maximize what we do to the best of our, with God's assistance, all things are possible unto those who believe, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyone out there wants any direction, your education, things, we're quite qualified to help you with that if you need, if you need direction. So... So what happened in Genesis? It says, let there be light. And there was light. And then for everything started unfolding, God was saying, let's make man in our image and our likeness. Wow. Goes on to chapter 1, verse 26. So this is the purpose of the resurrection, to make man his, in his image and his likeness. In Genesis, we're told in chapter 2, God breathed on man, on Adam, and made him a living soul. Jesus breathes on us now and makes us a spiritual person. 
Amen. We are now become spiritual. We're the new creation. With the oldest past, as we shared with the old Adam, we're going to share with the heavenly Adam, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the whole purpose of the resurrection is God working on us, making us be in His image and His likeness. And all that Jesus did, we need to reflect in the world. What was Jesus doing? He was showing love. He was showing forgiveness. He was bringing healing. He was serving. Wow. It's amazing. So if you want to connect to what God, that's empowering. Because I want to finish on these last few, last few thoughts. And if you feel you've missed the boat, you haven't missed the boat. Today's your day. You've got, to, you've got to confess it. You've got to internalize. You've got to see internally. What you, what you want to achieve in your life, you've got to see in yourself before you see the reality of it. Before this was produced, someone saw it in themselves and they projected it and it became, ah, you're going to get this when you get home. Yeah? Before this was physical, it was in someone's mind. They saw it, then bam, it appeared. What you have in you, you, you visualize with it, internalize what you have, visualize internally, and then you can bring it out in the open. You have to have that vision to see that before anyone else sees it. you got to see it before anyone else sees it. If you want to become a champion, you've got to see it before anyone else sees it. You've got to be, what do you want to achieve? You want to be a musician? You've got to see it before other people see it. Because if you can't see it, no one else will see it. You've got to see yourself. And that's related to every area of life, from, from spiritual life to the practical things around your everyday life. You've got to see it and to make it manifest. Because God can only work with what you work in with yourself, what you're working in through yourself. Praise God. Hallelujah. Which is amazing. It's powerful. Amen. Praise God. So I just want to say this. So everything begins with God. Everything, the gospel begins with serving. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and offer myself a ransom for many. Okay. Watch this. When the disciples, he called them to follow, to, to, to follow to become fishers of men, the first thing that he did was take them out of the environment to detoxicate them, to change their outlook in life. And he was teaching them for three years how to look from the earth into the spiritual realm. He took them on this journey. And that, that journey consisted of breaking them down before he built them up. If you know what someone's character's like, squeeze them. If you squeeze a lemon, you're going to get lemon juice. If you want to know what's in someone, squeeze a bit. And then you see what comes out. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he took them through the wilderness. And in the wilderness journey, what did he do? Multitudes were following him. He told them, not the multitudes, what, food, what do you have? Provision you have. They had five loaves, two fishes. He said, okay, bring them here. So how, these are, there's not enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Just bring them to me. Your limitations are not my limitations. And when people say, you can't do this, you say, yes, I can, because I'm looking at it from a different viewpoint. My physics and my mathematics are different to you. You, you. you look at it in one way, I look at it in a completely different way. Yeah. If you stand in, if you write a six on the floor, a person stands there, or a person stands here, you say, what number is it? Six. What number? Nine. We're looking at the same thing, but your perception is different. And this is what life is about. Some people are looking at you from one perception, but you're looking from a different perception. They say, but it's this, but say, no, it's something else. And you follow with your convictions, and you see more than not, you will overcome, you'll prevail in that praise God. 
So he took them in the wilderness and started changing the perception of the outlook. It says five and two equals seven, equal 12. No, no, five and two equals seven. No, 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 five and two equal 12. Diminish increase. Less for God is more. It's no, how, does, how do you work it? Five plus two equals seven. No, five plus two equals 12. How did you come to that, that conclusion? Let them eat. And what do you have left over? 12 baskets. Did you cook? Didn't I say 5 plus 2 equals 12? But we're trying to work it out in our minds. So they were serving. But you see, people focus on the greatest, the greatest uh, achievement of the apostles were not the miracles. The greatest achievement of the apostles was that they were servants. Is anyone there? Because people focus on Peter, John and James, they look at their miracles where, where, where Peter goes to Joppa and this woman Tabitha, she dies and they go to the upper room and Peter prays and she rises in the name of Jesus and they say, look, we want to be miracle. Many ministers, they want to be in ministry not to serve but to be served. Many people want to be ministers, have positions, titles because of the accolades. The plaudits that they get. I'm as comfortable wearing a tracksuit than I'm, in fact, I prefer wearing that. It's it's easier. There's no expectation on me. But what I'm saying is that they they want a position and they're focusing on that. But if Peter did not serve the multitudes, that miracle would never have happened. It's the serving that brought the miracle. It's what you do behind the scenes that brings manifest in the open. If you haven't prepared to win, you're going to prepare to lose. Yeah, And that's the attitude I want ACC, I want you all, people watching live stream, to have. Prepare. Prepare. Get your, get your knowledge, but get your understanding. Get knowledge and get understanding. And put it in place. And I can guarantee you will prevail. You will have your breakthrough. I've met people from all walks of life. And I know this is scientific. It works. If you put the effort, it will work. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And let me just go quickly to verse 25 of this, of John 20, John 20, 24. Let me go to 24 and 25 very quickly. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. Praise God. Let me go to the next verse. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, and the, in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the prints of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace to you. He missed the boat the first time, but Jesus gave him a second opportunity. So if you feel you've missed your first day before, today is your first day. Today you can start a new beginning. You can leave here with excitement, hallelujah, with joy of the Lord. And connect to where you need to be to get you to where your destiny is in God. Praise God. Let's stand together, hallelujah.